everyone from All Things SR's podcast. Good morning, Leslie, and how are you this morning? Good morning, Pam, and happy October, friends. Mm -hmm. Can you believe it? I know. I I cannot believe it. I'm in denial. I'm in denial. Not going to lie. Love Halloween. Love October. (laughs) I do love the fall. I'm saying that for Kenzie. I do Mm -hmm. love the fall. Mm -hmm. I love summer more. So I'm an endless summer kind of girl. Um, But I have to say, I'm just... I'm always surprised when this time of year rolls around because it seems like it sneaks up on us. And I think also because the way the weather systems have been in the last couple weeks, literally a week ago, it was 80 and then it Mm -hmm, dropped 40 mm -hmm, degrees. mm -hmm. So as Betty says, it's a chilly morning. It is. And it is. And I have to just hearts and prayers go out to everybody who have been affected by these storms, multiple storms, you know, hitting Puerto Rico, hitting Cuba, and of course the devastation in Florida, Florida and the Carolinas as it, and every other place as it's making its way up the East Coast. Yeah, we're getting um, a little, we're getting a few showers here right now, so. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's been raining here too, but nothing like, uh, you know, I, I have to say, I had several friends who were in that path and they just were so fortunate. It just missed, you know, it missed a little bit this way. It missed a little bit that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know there are so many more people who didn't have that luck. Um, so um, hugs to all, all yeah, of you. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm, I, I have. And uh, I know very, yeah, you've had, I, you've had friends in that friends, path too. Yeah. Dear old friends, a friend of mine, Mike Dolan, who's in, Bonita Springs, and I haven't heard hide your hair. I've checked his son's Facebook page to see if he's put something out. And I knew his sister, so I've checked their Facebook pages, and I haven't heard anything. And then I've got a lot. I, I used to work, do work at an office in Naples and would have to fly down every now and then into Fort mm. Myers to get to Naples. And so, you know, I'm very familiar with the area. And it's just absolutely devastating i mean it just i don't know then i have friends in in uh an old work friend jack pendergast who moved to um the beaufort area in north carolina um oh yes two years ago and he's right on the water and he has a boat oh yeah well i keeping everybody Beaufort's one of my favorite spots it's it's such a beautiful area Mm -hmm. um and uh as betty notes with all the rain in the path in the eastern U.S., um, she's saying it's perfect weather to stay in, sit on a couch with a blanket, and enjoy a hot cup of coffee or tea. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yes, yes. I grabbed my coffee Absolutely. before the podcast. And I'm going to need quite a bit of it today. Mm-hmm. Right? It is. It's it happy is. International Coffee Day. It was National Coffee Day the other day. Now it's International Coffee Day. Grab your Nescafe. Grab your your Tim Hortons, grab your, uh, any, your, the coffee of your choice. Exactly. Um, but it is, it is in, at least in this part, I know Anna said it's frigid where she is. So, um, I don't think that's the case with you, Brenda, down in the busy, but Ellie out out west. 
going back to sleep. <laughs> yes. I was on a very late night phone call after Brenda's great chat last night. <laughs> mm. Yes. And Brenda had noted, um, I made a comment in the chat before we went on that I, I was sorry I couldn't join last night, but Brenda's um, Facebook group um was hosting SR's uh, chat last mm -hmm. night at 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, and she said, y'all can go back and watch and read the comments. We saved it on the Facebook page. They did. They did. And it was very good. And it was a lot of fun. A lot of laughs. Which is always a good time. It's always a good time with SR. It is. It he is. really, it's, he's just so witty and so giving of his time to mm -hmm the readers, which is one of the things I just love mm -hmm. about him. Brenda's saying it's 64 degrees here in NOLA. Sun's out, beautiful weather for walking. 69 in Vegas, Shell said. Oh, mm -hmm. I'm, I want to come out to you. <laughs> it's 91 by, um, by Ellie. <laughs> oh, Ellie, I... Man, let me get to BWI and hop a flight. I am ready. 91 sounds perfect right now. <laughs> it's quite perfect. You want to trade you. spaces, Ellie? Because I bet you probably could use some rain. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I didn't realize it was so hot on the coast. I, I, have, I didn't check the weather um, or the news this morning yet. So, wow. As Betty says... It's also perfect weather to snuggle up with Paul. Well done, Betty. Hey. Bring Paul up in the first five minutes. I love mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Now, Shell's saying out in Vegas, it's supposed to reach 96 today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, I think for me, I was surprised seasonally. Usually we have warmer weather into October. Usually it's not quite the drop. It doesn't go, it's kind of intermittent. Um, so I think just the fact it was such a fast drop from full on summer, steamy heat to not. <laughs> well, you know, this is a time of year when you have it, well, it's still summer. You have fake fall right? <laughs> and, and then you have fake summer and then you have yes. real fall and then you have fake winter and then you have real winter. And so it goes like that so, in this area. <laughs> So, anyway. And Black Lab Lady just noted, Brenda, so I had to miss your time with SR, having a few post-surgery issues that kept me off Aww. the computer. Very disappointed. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry to hear that, Elena. We hope these issues get worked through. Um, you know, one of, the <clears throat> one of the great things about having the chats posted, though, is that you can always go back to them, which is... Mm -hmm. which is wonderful. Um, it's such a nice way to review things that you can't join in person. So as Shell said, hugs, Black Lab Lady, and we're sending them all to you. Absolutely. So we we do have some news from SR. And some of it yes, actually, we do. <laughs> some of it was late breaking, like in about a half an hour ago. Right. Um, like SR actually <laughs> emailed us. He's like, I just talked to Tosca, so we'll we'll tell you that. Pam will tell you that yeah. in a minute. But he he emailed us a couple, yeah, probably I, I what twenty thought, minutes should, ago. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. We should have that 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 for the thing. But anyway, so first of all, like like we've been talking about, he uh, 
He'd like to start this week by reaching out to all the readers who've been affected by the hurricane. And I hope that they can check in to let us know how they're doing. I, mm-hmm. I, I know some have checked in. I have, um, they have a, you know, Mark Safe app thing in Facebook and, and a couple of my friends have done that. Um, he's been in touch with Tosca about the beginning of the filming and he's really, really looking forward to it. And as of our late breaking news this morning, Tosca is in Italy and or is in England right now and she is uh, scouting out places. Yes, he, he actually said, I've just been emailing Tosca and she's already been on location sizing things up. So things are moving toward the start of filming and it's very exciting. And I believe filming is supposed to start the week of the 24th. I'm not sure about that. No, so I, 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 did, just, I saw know. that. I saw that with uh, a tweet that I sort of put out yesterday. Okay. Okay. Well, great. I've, you know, I've been... I've been a little preoccupied with other things, so I haven't. (laughs) There is also a new sweatshirt in the Passion Flick store for Gabriel's Rapture. Um, They, I understand, was sold out yesterday. It went up yesterday, and it was sold out as of yesterday. Right. I I mean, SR, SR, I think it probably sold out right after SR had sent this message to us because mm-hmm. it was less than what less than 24 hours yeah much yeah. online i because kenzie first alerted me to the sweatshirt i don't know around noon or something like that did any then, did any of you get uh to order the sweatshirt before it flew off the uh passion flew off the store shelf? just curious and it looked lovely it does look lovely hopefully, hopefully they'll reorder <clears throat> some i hope so too and I think if they have enough back orders, they might do that. You never know. Um, oh. Also, uh, on the Passion Flick site are the bloopers. And they are very funny. They're very, I can't wait to watch funny. them. I mean, there, there's, we, we have a mime in the shower trying to walk across the wall. And we have... Uh, black teeth and we a lot of giggles and laughter in in it so it's 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 funny (laughs) i can't wait to see them and you guys said it's not sold out so maybe they're good to know yes i wonder if there were certain sizes that sold out perhaps that's a good possibility well let's check out the possibility and anyway, but they did all that stuff is out there, and uh, so it should be fun. And as Betty points out, Paul is not in any of the bloopers. Oh, Sorry. and she's still waiting for anything related to Paul. Mm-hmm. Shell's saying the bloopers are hilarious, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and which is, I have no doubt, knowing the uh, characters, uh, the real people <clears throat> behind our uh, beloved uh, Julia and. Gabriel, they are yes. delightful human beings, and I'm sure they, I'm sure they were very, very funny and very silly. Because mm-hmm. you get that way when you're on set for 14 or 15 hours a day, you know. Yep, and you know, to to, to make mm-hmm. one 10 second scene, it might take all day to do. So yeah, a black lab lady also things. said the bloopers were great, and Shell said an ill-timed sneeze, yeah. <laughs> laughing. 
And Floor, just like me, has not watched the bloopers yet. Um, and Anna watched them yesterday morning. She said they were really funny. Yeah, so. and they are. And it's a very quick reel. It's not, you know, it's maybe five, ten, ten minutes at the very most. Perfect. I, you know, I think that's just <clears throat> as it should be. Mm-hmm. Just as it should be. Mm-hmm. It's so, so good. So much fun. And I want to say hi to Alex, who just joined us, and Floor, Ashley, um, and uh, whoever else is listening out there. It's just great to have everybody with us as we begin uh, chapter two mm-hmm. of Gabriel's Redemption. And Pam actually called this week and said, this is a pretty long chapter. I'm thinking we should break it into two. So that's what we've done. Mm-hmm. We're doing, uh, we've d- divided up into two parts so we can actually t- really talk about it. And also, um, you know, respect your time on a Saturday um, so we weren't going to be going crazy, crazy, um, long if the chapter is dictating it. So, oh, and Shell just noted, I would love some Catherine Picton bloopers. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling that Linda Atkinson is, is not prone to bloopers. If, uh, just by the way <laughs> she was speaking, I mean, I know she's acting, but the way she was speaking, I don't think she's inclined to blooper, bloopers. <laughs> You don't. I don't. God swallow. No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm looking forward to watching them um, later today, which Mm -hmm. will be pretty cool. So. So let's chart. Let's chart. Let's start with chapter two. (laughs) You want to chart chart with stature? We're we're charting with stature. Right. That's right. Chapter the bedroom and I don't even have anything in my coffee to correct it this morning. It's, it's, it's just milk and coffee straight away. I know, I know I need a little something, something. Um, so it begins, uh, with the bedroom, um, being dark. It was almost dawn. Julia startled awake and she glanced at Gabriel who was still sleeping soundly. As you recall, there's, they're in Salem's Grove. And they are, um, you know, in the midst of a break and they are gathering things. They just had been work doing work on the house and Julia is working very diligently on her lecture for Catherine Pickton. Um, yes, Betty, I agree. Uh, um, Unless she takes a shot of tequila or scotch before each scene, then we would definitely get bloopers from Professor Picton. Oh, yeah. Shell thinks Linda's probably as precise as Catherine. Mm-hmm. Well, they probably could have typecast her, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Julia is in her bedroom and, you know, Gabriel's sleeping, but she pulled her chest, her sheet to her chest and was trying to get back to sleep because she had just had a really horrible nightmare. And she, these scenes keep repeating in her mind. She'd been running across the Harvard campus to find a location for her general exam for her doctorate. She kept asking, begging for help as to where it was, but no one seemed to know. She heard the sounds of crying and was shocked to see an infant in her arms. Then she held the child, hoping to calm the baby, but he would not stop crying. Suddenly, Professor Matthews was standing in front of her. 
He's the chair of the department and was standing holding a sign indicating the exam was taking place behind him. He blocked the doorway, pointing out that children were not allowed into the classroom. And she argued. She said she'd keep the baby quiet, um, but still not allow her into the room. She argued and promised that she would keep the baby from crying. And it was very stressful for her. All of her hopes and dreams of receiving her Ph.D., or becoming a Dante specialist rested on this exam. As Betty noted, poor Julia. Mm-hmm. I agree. <laughs> and uh, yes, the body paint, Brenda. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, she argued um, trying to be able to take this exam. And she was stressed because without getting a uh, passing grade on this exam, she would be dismissed from the program. At that moment, the baby began to wail. Professor Matthews just stood, pointing her, to her the direction of the stairs. Mm-hmm. And we actually asked SR. I mean, this was a pretty intense nightmare for Julia. Um, and I know I can remember having dreams like this very rarely because I do not remember my dreams. I probably it's so infrequent um when i have one it sticks with me and i i did have a school dream when i was at penn state um and betty's asking question was julia able to read in her dreams because whenever i dream i can't read that's when i realize i'm in the middle of a dream or a nightmare that's actually an interesting observation betty i think that's very interesting um and to, to know whether to be cognizant of whether you or not you are dreaming while you're dreaming is interesting. We asked SR about dreaming as well. And we asked him, do you remember your dreams? And SR said, I remember them sometimes, but not always. I think like most former students, I have the occasional nightmare of sitting for an examination and realizing it's a course I never took. So, SR. That sounds like an anxiety dream. Yes, definitely. And I, I, mine are not in the classroom. Mine are always in a subway or train. Oh. And it doesn't matter whether it's a New York subway system, whether it's a train in a suburb. I'm always racing to try to get to a train. Oh, wow. It's a recurrent theme, but different locations. Really? So yeah. it's that trying to get, well, trying to get Julia to had part of that going on, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, because she, you know, she's trying to find, she's searching, searching for the location of this exam, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I, frankly, I wasn't expecting SR to answer that question. I wasn't sure if he would share that part, uh, some of his experience on that or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but as, as he noted, he does remember them Mm -hmm. sometimes Mm -hmm. and if, and he did have anxiety dreams around work or school like Julia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're the worst though. They are the worst. They really are. I just did the frustration when you wake up from not being, you know, and your track across and the plane or train's going one way 
and that, or then you get on the train, you're going the wrong direction, you get off, and now you can't get on the other one because it's not, it's, I, uh, they're a pain in the neck. Mm. Okay. Well, I, I'm seeing some of the chat. Shell said, I used to be able to read my dreams till I read somewhere that people can't. And she said, I'm mad about that. And Anna noted, never remember dreams, but had one of, with a fire a few days ago. Very unsettling. Oh, Anna, I'm so sorry. That would be terrifying to dream. And Betty says, I've sometimes had the dream where I'm in an elevator and the elevator is going down at a fast pace. Oh, I had, I, I, I always, I don't, I haven't dreamt about it that I know of. I may have, but sometimes I'm in an elevator and like, oh my gosh, please let the hydraulics work. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Ashley said, I remember my dreams and I write them if I forget and want to remember them. And she also, Ashley also had the elevator dream, uh, that type of thing. I think that is a, a common theme. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's, uh, definitely the trying to find a place and not getting to it, a pressure of taking an exam or, or trying to turn in an assignment and that's not happening. Flora said, I never remember my dreams, but then throughout my day, something triggers a memory or a part of it. Mm-hmm. I think that's interesting too. I, that has happened to me on occasion floor. I, I rarely remember my dreams, but sometimes something triggers it. and like, oh, I wonder if I dreamt about that, or I feel like I, I remember a scene. Um, Ashley said, I had the constant nightmare about being trapped in a car surrounded by zombies. Ooh, <laughs> too much walking dead. Too much Ashley. walking dead. <laughs> too many van- uh, Elena zombies. Elena says, I rarely dream, and if I do, I only remember them on occasion. Yeah, yeah. She'll sing. It's for me, it, I, it's, I can't make it to work. The harder I try, the further away I get. Yeah. That makes sense, too. Yeah. And, you know, it's weird because I don't remember everything. I, there there are dreams that I have that, like, for example, and this is weird, my, my dad's sister sometimes breaks into my <laughs> subconscious at that twilight. Oh, and, wow. And I, and I do remember our conversations on that. Um, and I've had... Dreams that were, you know, like you, you, the mask, the, the faceless person that is like so wonderful that, and you just wish that person were there. But, and then mm-hmm. of course there's the deja vu dreams. Yes. Well, the, uh, on the rare occasion that I do remember a dream, it's almost always, I feel like someone visiting me. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, mm-hmm. my friend Rachel who passed away. Every once in a while, I have a dream with her. Um, mm-hmm. So, but it's it's very very few and far between. So, well, and I, Ashley says I don't watch The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Ella. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I would just I, I googled can you read in dreams and a couple of things that came through were from the TCK Publishing Company. Reading itself is an activity that heavily relies on the optic nerve to process the written words. So it's quite impossible to actually read in dreams. The words you see while dreaming may just be projections of your self-subconscious. Oh. 
That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm loving that Betty also shared that she once dreamed Barbara Walters stole her shoes. And <laughs> so nice. how rude of her, Betty. That's right. <laughs> that is very rude. I want to know what you I want to know what you ate for <laughs> for dinner to have a dream about Barbara Walters stealing your shoes. <laughs> Certainly wasn't buttermilk. <laughs> if anybody remembers the movie uh, White Christmas, Bing Crosby and, and Rosemary Clooney sitting at the uh, uh, the bar oh. and talking about what what to eat for good dreams and buttermilk and ham sandwiches or cheese sandwiches, I think were one of them. <laughs> I love I love the holiday films. I love them. Mm-hmm. That's and such, that's such a classic. Ellie's. Um, Ashley said she has a dream interpretation word book and Ellie's saying, I don't get much REM sleep. So I rarely remember dreams anymore, but in the past I've those stressed work and school dreams or weird epic dreams that you never quite get where or what you want. <laughs> and, uh, Oh, butterwork and liverwurst shell said was mm-hmm. the white Christmas uh, key. And Betty said, right. Barbara kept denying she stole my shoes, but I recognized them. <laughs> Betty, I just love you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is so great. Um, so, you know, as Julia's kind of trying to recover from this huge anxiety dream that she's just had, an arm reached across her body, and it was Gabriel who was still asleep and in an unconscious state. But something must have prompted him to comfort her. So even as he was dreaming, he kind of could feel her energy and he was trying to comfort her in his sleep. As she stumbled to the bathroom, she turned on the light in the shower. She was hoping that the hot water would feel, make her feel better. Mm -hmm. And as she stood under the rain shower, she tried to forget the nightmare, but everything was coming to the surface. Her lecture, her family visit. Gabriel's sudden urge to have a baby and her fingers went to the clasp of on her necklace. You know, she knew that Gabriel wanted children and that they had prayed for children in Assisi, but they had discussed it before they got engaged and agreed they would wait until after her graduation and graduation was still five or six years away. She wondered why he was bringing it up now. She was anxious to say the least over her studies to begin with. And she had classes starting in September going towards her general exams that would allow her to proceed. And, you know, and that, that exactly explains mm-hmm. why she was dreaming what she did. Um, looking in the chat, Betty said, I can't remember what I ate before the Barbara Walters dream. <laughs> uh, Alex said, lucid dreaming. Sometimes it works. And Shell saying Barbara was sketchy like Guido, Betty. <laughs> Barbara just celebrated her 93rd birthday, by the way. Oh my goodness! Fantastic. I wasn't mm-hmm. sure where she was on the. Uh, she's kind of an ageless uh, presence. Uh, apparently, you know. uh, unfortunately, I think she's uh, pretty far into dementia right now. Yeah, I think so That's too. Said, so. What a life she's led. Mm. And Absolutely. Brenda's noting that Julia's fear of failure is a big one. Uh, it is. It is. Be- Betty's saying, "Gabriel, put Mister Twitchy away." He was. <laughs> He was unconscious. He was unconscious, Betty. He was. Mr. Twitchy has a mind of his own. You know that. So, but I think, um, <laughs> I mean, the, you, you, a lot of it, a lot, you know, was, was, it was interesting. 
<laughs> oh yeah. And I, I with that with him going, I want to do the reversal, and I want to have a baby, and you know, and I know that you know not all reversals work, and that's probably one of the reasons why he wanted to see if he could get this done. So I think you know. I can understand Julia's apprehension, mm -hmm. but the fact he's just starting to check into it, I feel like when you're in an anxious state, any little thing will amplify the anxiety, yep. right? So right. I think this is a situation of if she wasn't in such a heightened state of anxiety and fear, frankly, um, she might not have taken it as, oh, he wants to have a baby now. Mm -hmm. But because everything's piling on, it just makes you know, it worse. It makes it I harder. think it makes it. I think it makes it harder for her. And you know, because from his perspective, I think he's being very rational. He wants to just get some information, uh, maybe try to do the reversal. You know, if it works, if it doesn't work, see. If not, then they can maybe start looking into what adoption would entail. Mm -hmm. And that stuff takes a long time. So I, I don't think he's being unrealistic and trying to just do the fact finding now. But uh, poor Julia just feels like it's it's piling on her list of to do's. And I think that's I think that's kind of the gist of it. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. A lot of it's piling on because the other thing she has going on is that she had the lecture in Oxford coming up. Right, right. And I mean, Brenda's saying her fear of failure is a big one. Mm -hmm. And uh, Shell's saying she feels attacked and cornered. Flora's saying Julia just wants to complete her goal of becoming a professor. And G talking about kids kind of throws her off. Mm -hmm. And Shell's saying discussion is a positive thing for them, though. Yeah, so, it definitely is. Yeah. But I say all, still, to a, certain, to a certain point, they're, they're still holding back. They're not, mm -hmm. they're, they're, saying it but they haven't communicated external fully. About it fully right so and uh, yeah well if, and, if, and for and shall agree that's the communication they're trying to communicate mm -hmm. and and uh, by the way anna has a good i i read your um post on uh karen ford's site this week about your journey of having children and so you you know a lot of what that's about as well so. right I, I think, and that's, I have to thank you for mentioning that um, on the chat last week, Anna, because I think it's great to have a different perspective of someone who's gone through it. I had a friend um, actually in my early in my career, uh, I had a friend I worked with who, um, whose husband had a reversal. It was a second marriage and they had a beautiful child together um, because it was successful. And just being tangentially around that journey made me really appreciate, you know, what mm -hmm. people have to go through. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I just, I want to thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So now she's got Oxford coming up and she's, you know, she had done this paper on Guido de Montefeltro and thought that, you know, that was so very well liked by her professor, Marianelli. And she had actually forwarded it over to Catherine, and Catherine suggested she submit the uh, uh, abstract to the to conference. 
she's got that going on. And now she's, uh, Gabriel's suggesting that, that having the vasectomy reversed. And, you know, she was overjoyed when it was proposed, but now it was like more of a thing that could be happening and it just seemed to add on. And, uh, you know, the, and, Oxford scared her because she's standing in front of a lot of um, Dante specialists that are more knowledgeable than she is. And she just felt that was very daunting. Um, you know, so now guilt's washing over because she knew she knows that she and Gabriel both want a child. Just not yet. And but it was also a symbolic gesture get gesture because this means he's kind of made peace with what happened with Paulina and Maya. And also, if God was going to answer their question from the Basilica of St. Francis, how could she say, wait, um, she, you know, and she's got, am I being selfish? That whole, not you know, internal conversation that you're having with yourself. And that maybe she could, you know, she should prioritize a child over education and aspirations or... Because Harvard would still be there. Many had uh, waited and uh, just and started a family beforehand. And what if Gabriel doesn't want to wait? And he pointed out that life is short, and which he could see because Gabriel was a test or Grace was a, a, a testament to that. Exactly. And once he knew he could have a baby, would it be sooner rather than later? And how could she say no? So she's that's all going through her head yeah and in the chat you know it's it's brenda points out yeah talking about it and doing it is two completely different things gabriel's just looking into their future but julia's thinking he's talking about now um but there's nothing wrong with communicating your dreams even if they are early was brenda's perspective and betty said remember when gabriel accused paulina of trying to trap him with the baby news this is probably how julia feels um, so I think that's an interesting perspective, too. Mm -hmm. And Anna's noting, I think this would be an anxious time for Gabriel. He made a rash decision that's now pro proving to be devastating. Mm -hmm. They're they are separate. Julia's totally self-focused, and Gabriel's now family-focused. So I think that's also very mm -hmm. interesting mm -hmm. perspectives. So, so Gabriel was, uh, had, was a consuming passion, and this worried her, too, because... He was so all-consuming to her that she felt she might be unable to say no to his deepest longings. And I'm, I mean, you can, I can understand. You're so, so in tune with the other person and so, and so much enjoying, how can you say no? Well, and Gabriel's this massive, charismatic oh, yeah. being, he, right? And the energy he, he portrays has always captivated her and con and consumed her. Mm -hmm. So, but so, as they grow into, you know, uh, this is book three, and we just mm -hmm. talked about book four. Right, so they're, they're still on their journey. They're, and, you know, if, if she wants to be a partner with him, she wants him to partner with her. She has to also have that partnering. She has to feel that she can be an equal partner in the relationship. And yeah. right here is showing her, you know, I think her fears mm -hmm. and her insecurity. Oh, sure. Because she's also very worried that, you know, maybe if, if she compromised her happiness for his and 
you know, she, you know, she's thinking of Sharon and St. Louis and, and, you know, what was going on there. But, you know, as she's progressed in her own journey, Julia's become more disciplined and intelligent and, and her intelligence and everything carried her through university and, and also the University of Toronto. So, right. you know. Well, and that's, you know, that's something that is, you can't under estimate and Julia needs to Julia needs to remind herself of that you know she does have that inner strength Mm -hmm. that was able to carry her through college and through graduate school and it's not easy Um, but sometimes you you know this is this is a focus of hers Mm -hmm. that was frankly inspired by Gabriel right Mm -hmm. I mean Mm -hmm. This journey she's on really was inspired by the discussion they had in the orchard when she was 17. So it's, 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 I think it's just a very interesting dynamic that she's mm-hmm. being challenged with. Alex noted, you can be anxious about a pregnancy uh, concerns, pregnancy concerns regarding your health and the health of the baby and what it might do to your relationship, even without having to worry about your education. So mm-hmm. And that's a valid point, too. Just the whole idea of becoming a parent, trying to become pregnant, being pregnant, that is enough. (laughs) That would induce anxiety in anybody, yet Mm -hmm. alone the education and then let alone the family obligations. So and Anna's saying Julianne has to have Harvard to be whole. Being a mother is not something she has pined for. That's very true. And that's super on point. Mm-hmm. It, it just because she never vi- envisioned herself as a mother because she did not have a good mother role model. And her her vision for herself was being, you know, being a, a strong academic um, presence mm-hmm. and an expert in Dante. And Shell's saying, I don't dismiss her fears or concerns, but she has free will and a voice now. And Anna's saying the relationship will not survive Julianne losing Harvard. I, I can, um, and I agree with that because I think that it, it that would be giving up her dream to acquiesce to Gabriel, and right. I, I think Gabriel would just railroad her through everything if she if if that were the case. But I also feel like Gabriel would never ask her to give up Harvard. Gabriel's oh, going to do every. Oh, I know that. Gab, Gabriel has moved his career and relocated his life to support her in being. A Harvard graduate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think there's a little disconnect, but I think it also comes from the uncertainty. Um, I, and absolutely, 100%. Julia giving up Harvard, losing Harvard, mm-hmm. would would just, because it would destroy her own self-worth. Mm-hmm. Um, Shell said, I understand anxiety, but taking a deep bath, and, but take a deep bath and communicate. Breath. Take a deep breath. Sorry. <laughs> and communicate he went to hell and back for her you can't miss that that yeah that's you can't underscore that and betty noted getting pregnant is nine months motherhood is a lifetime so it makes sense that she wouldn't want to jump into that it's something one must take seriously it is a lot of responsibility Mm -hmm. so guys going hard on the discussion today i love it Mm -hmm. so you know, after this couple hours, Gabriel walked into the kitchen 
carrying his running shoes and socks. He's wearing his Harvard tea shorts and was going to retrieve a bottle of water from the fridge. He saw Julius sitting at the kitchen table and he greeted her with a kiss, saying, there you are. He had wondered where she had gone. She looked tired. Purple smudges below her eyes gave it away and he asked her what was wrong. Julie replied, nothing. She just been finishing. She just finished cleaning the kitchen, the refrigerator, and is making a list to go grocery shopping. She pointed to a large piece of paper covered in her flowing script. It sat to a stone-cold half cup of coffee, along with an equally long list of to-do items. Um, so Gabriel looked around the kitchen, noting it was spotless. Even the floors were immaculate. And he said, um, isn't seven o'clock a bit early for housework? Not sounding really enthusiastic. She said, look, I have a lot to do. Stroking her palm. Everything okay there? Mm-hmm. Okay. Stroking her palm. He told her she looked tired and that she hadn't slept well. And hadn't she slept well? Because he was asking her. Because he knew something was wrong as mm-hmm. soon as he walked into that room. And he's very in tune to her. Um, at least in terms of her, her feeling and anxiety level. Mm-hmm. So she said, I woke up early. I had to wake up early to clean the bedrooms, clean the bathrooms, make up the bedrooms, and then shop and plan the meals. And and she just shuddered and sighed. And he said, and? Mm-hmm. Tugging at the edges of her robe, she said, I just have to keep moving. She wasn't dressed yet. And Gabriel stopped her and said, she didn't have to do anything. After his run, he told her that he would go shopping and get someone in to clean the house. And her shoulders relaxed a bit. And she was thankful. And he said, they'll will help. You do not have to worry about doing that. And she said, thank you. But even then there is still so much to do. And Gabriel assured her that he will take care of things. All she had to do is work on her paper and get some sleep. So, you know, I think this whole little interlude is very interesting. And I'm going to read some of the chat comments and then I'll give you a little piece of my thought process here. Um, Elena said, I think it's obvious Gabriel would never let her lose Harvard. And Shell agreed. Um, Alan and Anna, you know, Anna's making this comment that they wanted children and were totally a couple in the vasectomy reversal. So they were on the same page. Uh, Then the temperature charts and ovulation tracking. And he was a perfect labor coach for three times. So... I think that's a great example, Anna, because Mm -hmm. I think you are in it together, right? You're trying to have a family together. And I think being in sync, that really, I think it demonstrates one of the things Julia wants to do is she wants to be able to focus when they have that. And right now she's not being able to focus on anything. Um, And I just love the fact that it worked for you and you have beautiful family as a result. It just mm-hmm. makes me so happy. Anna's noting that Julianne also has a martyr syndrome. She has the need to be perfect. Her lack of self-confidence, she ba- she balks at Gabriel's help. 
And um, Brendan said she loves how intuitive uh, Gabriel had become with Julia's mm -hmm. needs. And she's still worried that her new family will judge her as far as taking care of the home. But she forgets that they love her, and she has been a part of their family since she was 16. I think that's a really good point, too. Mm -hmm. I think new, uh, the three-quarter time show. Yeah. I love it. Um, I think that's a good point, too, because unlike a lot of newlyweds, Julia knows this family. That family accepts her as she is. True, true. But you know what? One of one of the things that when I was reading this, I was I was going back to my own um when like when Jim and I were first married and we the first time we had anybody to dinner and or the mm -hmm. first time my sister and brother in law came to visit and they brought these friends that that they had these this couple that they had met on their honeymoon who from Atlanta and they'd been mm -hmm. You know, they'd been going back and forth or whatever. And I just remember being an absolute nervous wreck the entire time. Jim used to make, he, he'd not make fun of me. He, he would just sit there and like, just calm down. It's okay. It's going to be fine. But I would yeah. still be all up in knots about wanting to make sure that the dinner was just right or, you know, Everything was going well. I had everything, what you know, what I think people would need as far as drinks or, you know, I, so that was just me. <laughs> I think that's going through her head, too, because that's an anxiety issue as well. Right. I, you know, and perfectionism, right? She's she's a high achiever. She wants mm -hmm. everything to be just so. Um, and you kind of have to. You have to work through that mm -hmm. and manage your expectations. Walter thinks so, too. Yes, Walter does. <laughs> Walter is, uh, I, I'm, I was telling Miss Kenzie last night, I'm getting very worried about Walter because he'll just all of a sudden go to the door and start barking and there's no one there. And then Aww. you walk up to him and it's you, he's, and you call him and it startles him. So I think Walter's losing his hearing a little Aww. bit and uh, maybe getting a little senile. Anyway. Oh, well, well 14, some so. of the comments, some of the comments, uh, Ellie was noting, um, that she thinks Julie is still not used to having a true partner and Gabriel's still surprising her that he's willing to step up and help. But that also triggers her independence sometimes. I think that's a good point. <laughs> Betty's saying this just proves Becky is the true hero of the story without her help. Julia is freaking out. Uh, true. Ellie's thinking, Ellie continued. Julia uh, thinks she needs to be the perfect wife, student, professional housekeeper. And now he's throwing her for a loop with uh, skipping ahead to potential mother. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I think it's the, it's the um, super, super woman complex, right? The super, uh, yeah, like we're supposed to be you, able you to got, do everything. The, the woman who has it all, the woman mm -hmm. who can juggle it all. Um, you know, which perfect is marriage, just a very, perfect kids, perfect job, and successful in all three. Yeah, and it's an unrealistic. Um, it's an unrealistic trope. It's an unrealistic mm -hmm. um, expectation that that our culture has um, fostered uh, over the decades. Um, mm -hmm. And I think people are more open to realizing that that's no, not the way I mean, it when, should work. It's not reality. When um, I was when I was Julia's age and a little younger, that's when uh, Gloria Steinem was coming out, and 
you know, Bella Abzug and, and they would, you know, talk about the female mystique and, mm-hmm. you know, we, you know, we can do it all. We, we have babies, we work, we, we've got everything under control. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times. I, and I think, you know, I think really it's more about having those choices, the choices to be able to you, you do see, this and, or and do that. This is, this is a little bit where our age comes into difference because, when I was 18 years old and 17 years old, graduating from high school, everything you had to be able to do everything. You had to give up motherhood for a little bit. You know, right. don't start your children until you're 40. Um, mm-hmm. Just, and and then I think our generation having to work through that, you come along and you see what mistakes we've made and they were able to fix them on your end. I think that happens every generation, every right? Generation I think that's happening does. now. You know, it's, I see it. I see it with my kids. Mm-hmm. My mother didn't work. I, mm-hmm. And she was, in fact, she was fired from when they found out she was pregnant with me. They fired her. Right. Which was which another, uh, another horrible thing. Yeah. I mean, I had, uh, I remember my very first job interview I had for a, a quote unquote real job when in an mm-hmm. office. And I was asked if I was had a boyfriend if I was getting married anytime soon. Oh yeah, which is completely illegal to do now. Yep. When you're hiring, yep. um, in the in the U.S. anyway. Um, looking here, a couple more comments, and then we'll head back to the story. Mm-hmm. We're failing to consider how the sacrifices Gabriel's made for her may be affecting him, because he's not truly confident in her love. So I think that mm-hmm. is another good thought, um, good comment. And Alex noted she could only ever rely on herself before Gabriel. Um, and that ties into Flora's comment about she wants to be independent and prove she can do it. She does not want to be kept and have everything done for her. And I relate <laughs> to that. I do relate to that. Right, right. And, and Betty's saying, repeat after me, take out. <laughs> she should have all the restaurants on speed dial. Absolutely. Um, Gabriel's intuition of her needs is spot on. And having a partner who can recognize this is a tremendous piece to the relationship for noted mm-hmm. black lab lady agreed. And she said, I think Julia needs to open her eyes a bit because Gabriel is being a partner as she wants him to do. And Shell saying, and I agree he's constantly doing things for her despite what, may happen with him so there's a little bit of that self-sacrifice weaving its in way in too there's a lot going on a in lot this little dialogue on. yeah and this little dialogue about julia has this massive to-do list gabriel saying look i can help you and for all and in, and for all intents purposes they're still really newlyweds they are so this is not they're still learning this is not um this is not unfamiliar territory for anyone who mm-hmm. is in a cohabitation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The division of labor. Um, and I think, again, she's in this anxiety state and everything's heightened. So him even saying, look, I can, you know, we'll hire somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, Gabriel has money. Nick, you throw, as they say, throw money at the problem here. Mm-hmm. Have have someone come in and help clean the house. And he can do the errands. Uh, and, you know, I like 
think about this. Think about the original, you know, initial Gabriel we met in book one. You know, he he may not have offered to help her at that no, point. No, he was, he was a selfish bastard at that point. So, you know, I think this is demonstrating some of his growth. And Betty's saying, I do agree Julia's used to being independent and self-reliant. It's a matter of time. She needs time to realize that she's not alone and it's okay to ask for help. And I think that's a big lesson for all of us. All of us, all of us. I mean, I learning I how to be open uh, for, I mean, to help and to ask for help. I know it from, takes time. From my own personal experiences, I remember, you know, the financial side of, of being married and two people working. And then when I had Patrick, my husband's, my, my company gave me, you know, my, my maternity leave, which was fine. And I actually mm-hmm. had to take a longer time because I had some issues in my early in my pregnancy. And, um, but Jim was like, well, do you want to go back to work? You don't have to. And then, it was decided for me because my company decided to move my department out to California. So that, that precluded me from having to make that decision of going back or not going back right away. And so now, you know, now I'm faced with this fact that I'm, I'm a mother, which is fine. I did, you know, whatever, but finance wise, I hated taking money from my husband. Because I was so used to having my own paycheck and dealing with things on my own, right? And then all of a sudden, now I've, I'm like, and I, to this day, I'm still a little bit like that, you know. Well, I think when you're used to being an independent person, mm-hmm. just as Betty has noted, just as some of the others in the chat have noted, it is a transition. You know, mm-hmm. Anna's mm-hmm. noting when she was pregnant with Jason, she had a dream job interview, and she didn't take the job. She wanted to be a mother. Mm-hmm. That was her priority. She already had her first master's and she stayed at home 10 years and then started her career later. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's a, that was a choice Anna made. And mm-hmm. it's a choice that many people make. Um, and you have to balance it. Um, and, you know, as we return back to the story, you know, Gabriel has offered to help. And he was trying to provide some solutions to help alleviate her anxiety. And he said, look, all you have to do is work on your paper, but you need to get some sleep first. Go back to bed. You look purely exhausted and a tired mind doesn't work very well. Um, And he's right about that. Mm -hmm. So he kissed her and led her upstairs. He pulled the covers down, watched her settle in and tucked her in. He told her he understood that this was the first time that they had house guests And he did not want her to feel that she had to be a maid. He did not want our family to keep you from your work. (laughs) Stay in the study all day. Forget about everything else. I will handle it. Mm -hmm. So he kissed her forehead, turned out the light, and let her sleep. And I really feel like some some of this is societal pressure on Julia. Societal expectations Mm -hmm. that she's absorbing and putting on her you know, because Gabriel was quite happy saying, look, I'll handle, I'll handle all this stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You focus. And here again, this is him demonstrating his commitment to her academic career. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's been very clear in his support of her. And and the fact that it fully hasn't hit her 
you know, is a little surprising to me, but I know they both have, you know, they both have trust issues mm-hmm. from, from the from get their own, so, from their own backgrounds, yeah. from their backgrounds. Um, Elena said, Julia and told Gabriel that she wanted more and that she wanted to be his partner. But when he tries, it's like, she's not letting him do that. And Flora saying, that's a big one for me. I'm super independent and I'm learning to accept help and be open to it. I'm single with no kids in school and working full time. I love it all, but it can be hard sometimes. And Flora, kudos to you because that is super hard. And it is hard having, you have to just try and remember to be open. If people offer help, be Mm -hmm. open to accepting it. If you realize you need help, don't be afraid to ask. The worst that can happen is someone can say no. But if you're aware enough and if you want to advance your goals, your family's goals, if it's something you need to help um, you make it, then then find a way and, and be open to help and asking for it if you need mm-hmm. it. Absolutely. Betty's saying, I bet Gabriel would not be impressed if Julie asked Gabriel to tuck her in bed with her little rabbit. <laughs> Uh, no, Betty, uh, <laughs> I love how Betty keeps leaving call in. Uh, yes. Um, and, you know, the rabbit, again, and the rabbit. And the rabbit. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Anna said she felt lucky to have been able to be home for 10 years with her boys. Alan mm. had worked, but her family provided the extras for the boys that allowed her to not worry about needing two income. Mm-hmm. So again, Anna was open to the help. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Ellie's saying again, Julia fights the whole Gabriel thing's doing for her. I think she's also kind of transferring her anxiety about the kid talk to not doing her other partner jobs. I think that's an interesting thought, Ellie. Mm-hmm. I can see that. It, it kind of all ties in together with yeah, family. Because you become so overwhelmed with what's going on in your head that you ignore everything else. You well, and everything. it's the fear, right? Yeah. It's the fear. She doesn't want to be she doesn't want to be her mother. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want to have that. Ex- she doesn't want to have that experience of not having uh, a family. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want to follow in that footsteps. And I think, I think that's the real root of her her issue. And Anna's um, pointing out that she ne- uh, she's never had anyone openly uh, give her support before Gabriel too. So that is true. That is true. You know, he was just so open about just get your work done, focus on what you need to do. And he turned out the light and let her sleep. Ah, sleep. A chance to dream. Um, <laughs> so as Gabriel's, you know, like he's getting ready to go out for his run. And when he, he usually liked to run to music. And, but this morning it was, he was very distracted. Julia's overwhelmed. He knew that was obvious, and she's normally not an early riser, so I, I'm, I guarantee it was very unusual for him to reach over and feel an empty side of the bed or even wake up to an empty side. Um, and, they, and then he's like, you know, maybe we shouldn't have invited the relatives as when we did. But then he's like, you know, well, we've gone, we're going to Italy, we're going to be in England, this would be like the only time we would all be able to get together until after all that was done. Um so, and he had forgotten what it was like when, you know, when he was single, he could throw money at everything. When he had house guests, he had all the restaurants on, probably on speed dial on his phone. And, 
you know, so, but this was the only time before they could go, like I said, so, uh, she had to, she's, and when you're grad student, you never really have the chance to, uh, go on vacations and it's there's never really holidays and because there's always so much to do and languages to learn and that is the truth come through and you know i mean it's obvious like with all the reading lists that you know Catherine's given her and i'm sure professor mary nelly gave her you know so she's always got that going on um and he was quite relieved to be tenured and he would not trade places with her at all especially since mm -hmm. he he coped with stress with drugs and alcohol and as well as Paulina, although he just started saying the word letter. And mm -hmm. so now he's, he's stumbling, pitching for because a shoe caught in a, a crack in the sidewalk and he got, got it together and continued in his stride. But we asked SR what music uh, he liked while jogging. And he says, Gable worked at workout playlist is a collection of songs ranging from classic rock to alternative, to even industrial on occasion. <laughs> well, you know, you, you got to set the pace, especially if you're running, you want to set a pace to run with. So so a lot of people do that. They'll find a song that set, has that pace they want to go. Um, but he didn't like thinking about his time in Harvard because since coming back from Cambridge, he'd been experiencing drug flashbacks so vivid that he swore he could feel the coke going up his nostrils. Mm. Yeah. He would he, that did that that line just that went through me when I read that. I just it just um, I just felt that was such a powerful descriptive phrase. Mm -hmm. And I, I felt for that. I felt for Gabriel when I read that. I just felt that was just a horrific and, you know, experience I, that he had to go through. And maybe it's just because of my, you know, my interaction with people who've struggled with addiction mm -hmm. but man that just that line really hit hit me hard well i i can re my, i remember my father's journey through um my father was a drug and alcohol counselor and he worked through that by acknowledging his own um alcoholism and he, working through aa and then he finally he went back for his master's degree and was counseling um, and I can remember him saying things like that about, you know, uh, I look at it and I can just feel it go right down. I can feel the way the whiskey burns down the back of your throat mm -hmm. or like my sister was smoking when she, she quit smoking it. She, to this day sits there and she'll, if she knows somebody's smoking around her, she might go over and inhale that smoke because it, they're just a feeling of what she wants and, for me, when I quit smoking, the idea of putting anything into my lungs is a nightmare. Yeah, I just yeah, uh, just for me. So I, I think there are a lot of there, there are a lot of uh, drug flashbacks, drug dreams that you have. Mm -hmm. And yeah. as Gabriel points out in the story, that uh, you know, even when he would drive down a certain street, there would be a trigger in, in right. going into a building at Harvard. Um, mm -hmm. and it was painful for him. And thus far, by the grace of God, he had resisted and he was going to NA weekly. And he also had monthly appointments with the therapist. 
And that all helps when you have that going for you. Yeah, Brenda noted it's so true, the struggles he has on a day-to-day basis. And we know he's not telling Julia because she would become very oh, concerned absolutely. for him. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and he points out that uh, there was Julia and he, he, and he had found his higher powder, power when he was in Assisi. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think that's when he finally, I, I think one of the steps is to let yourself, you know, go to the power, your higher power. Yeah. And, um, you know, so Julianne became like this guardian angel to him. You know, she inspired him and she had made a house and a home for him and she loved him. You know? Yes, and that was the biggest gift that she gave to him. Absolutely, and that unconditional loved, love, and loved him for for who he was, not because mm-hmm. he was a big time professor or he had a lot of money or anything like that. It was just because of who he was. It's true, and uh, you know, so that was that that he, he couldn't shake the fear though that heaven would would take her away at some point. And in his the back of his mind, he's saying if they had had a child together, then you know that would that would you know that would play into it. So um, he had also you know so as his therapist had warned him, he had a, a, a pattern of self sabotage. Because mm. I know when something really good happens in my life, I'm waiting for the next shoe to drop to take it away. And And I think that's not an uncommon, I don't think that's an uncommon feeling. Uh, You know, in the chat box, Anna notes, Gabriel's flashbacks regarding the drugs is poignant. He's now living where his darkness occurred. Mm -hmm. Julianne hasn't been very understanding regarding addiction, um, uh, is what Anna had noted. Yeah, because she comes at it Um, from a different angle. Yes, yes. She comes at it as... As, as the um, child a child of an, of an addict. And that's, you know, it's a very different perspective. Um, Flora says, I have friends who are recovery, who are recovered, and they had flashbacks like Gabriel's through the recovery process. It's very tough. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, same here. Friends and relatives. It's very, very um, compelling. Betty says, when I'm stressed, I go to chocolate and listening to monks. <laughs> Gabriel, let go of the powder, she said. Gregorian. And Anna said, Good. Gabriel knows Julianne will leave if he would relapse. And she said that. Yeah. So that's another part that's playing in his mind. Um, and he, you know, obviously he's working hard to to continue his recovery and to be in recovery. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it is a hard thing, as as pointed out, that he's in the place where his darkness occurred. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a great way to describe it, Anna. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I think it's, you know, it adds too. you know, Brenda says, I think Julia is not understanding because she doesn't know and he doesn't communicate with her, his struggles regarding this. That's a good point too. Mm -hmm. And Alex says in Italy, she said that even a drug addict deserves kindness when she gave money to the beggar. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she does have compassion and she's had compassion for Gabriel. I just think they're not my, there may not be as much understanding. And, you know, I think that was a valid point too about the communication angle. And I think, um, I think from her angle of her prospect of coming into it as the child of an addict, 
it, it, your perspective is different. And when you finally come out of that haze of being so dependent and enabling that addict, whether, mm -hmm. you, whether you're conscious of it or not, it, it, you, you look back on it and you're like, I don't want to deal with that anymore. That's not where I want to be yeah. in my life. I've gotten this far. I don't want to be there. So. And that aligns with what Shell's saying. Mm -hmm. Shell's saying, Gabriel wants to communicate happy things. He doesn't want to burden her with his darkness. And Betty's saying, I'm currently reading a novel where a parent loses one of their twin daughters. And in the story, the parents refuse to look at their daughter because it's too painful. If Gabriel were to lose Julia, do you think he would struggle to raise their child if he lost her? Um, yes. Mm -hmm. I think that would be a struggle, period. Um, his happy thoughts seem to trigger her anxiety, Shell mentioned, because mm -hmm. part of his happy thoughts are the family and having the children True. that he never thought he'd even want to have. So, so we, we had asked SR about uh, his flashbacks if Gabriel had anticipated his flashbacks when he moved to Boston or did they surprise him and as far as like it said I think they surprised him but Gabriel tends to have an inadequate grasp on all aspects of addiction yep I was curious I, I was curious if Gabriel you know if, if I was just curious curious how he would answer that question. So I was glad he answered that one. Mm -hmm. um, and Anna noted, he does have, Julia has compassion, but it's not specifically in her house. She's giving to a beggar isn't personal. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know, Anna. I'll push back on that one a little bit. I do think she has compassion, but not understanding and not full compassion, maybe. Maybe she has a, a level of it, but... I don't know. I, I think the fact, and and you would you're more of an expert on this than I am. Um, I, I feel like she might have a little bit more um, fear and just it's she's just seeing everything through the lens of a child of an addict. Mm -hmm. and I think that's putting blinders up around her. Um, Brenda said, "Yeah, Gabriel's definitely caught off guard, and I think it's because he was." somewhat in denial about the extent of his mm -hmm. problems at mm -hmm. times. And that makes sense, especially high achieving addicts, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of, there are a lot of medical professionals who fall into addiction and they feel like they can handle everything. They feel like, Oh, I just need a little bit of this. I won't I'm, get, I'm, I won't yeah, get hooked. Won't get... That's what, it, what happened with Gabriel, right? Oh, this will just help me. I, this won't, I won't get caught mm -hmm. up in it. And he, he, Plus the fact that the substances affect the way your brain chemistry and your brain mm -hmm. operates. Um, Flora saying Gabriel's constantly trying to protect her from any of his darkness because he sees her as a person that's so good and deserves only the best. Mm -hmm. And Shell saying losing, losing Julia would be a struggle. But he heard the voice that if they had the child, he wouldn't totally lose her. Mm -hmm. um, Anna says neither's comfortably comfortable truly opening discussing both are wary, but both embrace hearts and flowers, not the weeds. They both self-protect. I mean, that's, that's true. They're still understandable too, but given their backgrounds. But mm -hmm. Ellie says, "Well, you can have compassion for others, but yet, as a child of an addict, she may not be able to deal with it. Um, her own life, or not be willing to, since she lived through it with her mom." Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, Brenda referred to, this is good too, you know, it's like Gabriel thinks he can drink alcohol even though he's in recovery. Um, that's, a, that's a good point. Um, and she wanted, he wanted to write his parents' wrongs. Mm-hmm. And Ellie noted they're both still learning how to communicate with each other and they're both in different places too, which mm-hmm. is all true. Mm-hmm. Really, really good um, discussion, everybody. Yeah. This is so, you know, you know, and Gabriel's reflecting, you know, mm-hmm. Grace had died two years previous and it symbolized the shortness and uncertainty of it all. If he were to lose Julia, um, you know, he just keeps thinking and hoping that wouldn't happen. And he kept thinking and hearing this voice in his head saying, if you had a child with Julianne, you would never lose her. Mm -hmm. While the voice was right, it was not his prime motivation for having a baby with her. He really wanted a family that included children, a life with laughter and love, as well as being able to right the wrongs done by his own parents. And he kept these struggles from Julia and she had enough of her own struggles and he didn't want to add to them. There's that communications mm-hmm, piece guy mm-hmm. talking, everyone was mentioning. As he ran around the neighborhood, he wondered what had her so dispirited um, in the morning. They had spent a wonderful night in the orchard and um, then they came back and went to bed. Their love making was tender and passionate. And then he thought, maybe what's triggering this all is Simon and Natalie. And, you know, after all, Natalie confronted her and kinfolks about releasing pictures that she had with Simon and Julia. But Julia was convinced that she would not release them because it meant it would hurt Simon's dad, who was running for president, and Natalie was working for him. Mm-hmm. So Gabriel's thinking about Simon because he did attack her a year and a half ago, but he was with Natalie now. Gabriel had his doubts. He cursed and started running harder. Um, once a person got a taste for blackmail, he or she would keep trying. And he, ne- he realized he never told Julia about what he had done. And he didn't want to now, but he thought maybe it was time to share that with her, especially since um, if she was thinking of them and having this anxiety trigger because of them. Um, and that is actually where we stopped the discussion of the chapter. Yeah. And, you know, in part, I think some of this is interesting because he's not realizing her stress is coming from all the stuff. He's thinking there might be another external influence, not what's going on in their own home. So I mm-hmm. thought that was a little interesting. Um, but it also goes to the fact that he's only wanting to show and share the happy things He's trying to protect her. He's trying to protect himself. Um, But it does go into the importance of communication in the relationship. Yeah, and I think it's Um, still early enough in the relationship where they're finding their way, but it's going to take some time. Yeah. You know? And they both have to work through their own issues in order to get further into that road. Right. Right. And, you know, Betty's saying, I don't know if it's a good idea for Gabriel to be in Harvard's campus after the revelation. Six years is a long time. Shell's saying this could be discussed in couples therapy. And, you know, <laughs> Betty's saying, Bess, bless Gabriel's heart. He's clueless of Julian's real stress trigger. Mm-hmm. And um, Brenda said he'd 
would be like Dante if Julia dies. And if he had a baby, it would be an extension of Julia, even though he would be devastated if she died. A baby would help him with the blow, um, knowing that the world was throwing that his way, even if he was to lose his wife. And Anna said, I think Gabriel can have social drinks. My therapy is not total absence for all I have individual treatment plans and utilize different theories. I don't require to go to AA or NA. And I think that's an interesting, I know there's been, I, I, from what I've read that there are different approaches to it and also Mm -hmm. depends on what the main addiction is. So, um, Thank you for sharing that insight, Anna. Yeah, because I, I know that, you know, there, there are a lot out there that emphasize AA and NA. And I know in, in Patrick's cases when he has gone to rehab it's, and they have the first weekend where the family can come visit you, that's something that they stress, Al-Anon, uh, Narcanon, and what have you. But um, there are, you know, some people, I have one good friend who works, works he, who's worked out his addiction issues uh, through a therapist. Yeah. You know? You got to find what works for you. That's right. Um, Brenda noted, you know, this just shows that Julia has failed to discuss how this is currently affecting her at this point. And I think, Brenda, you're referring to the fact he's thinking it might be Simon and Natalie. And I, I think it, again, reinforces the point about they need to communicate okay. better. And they're finding their way as a parent, uh, as a couple that is newly married. Mm-hmm. Um, and Flora's noting, yeah, this actually goes back to last week. He wants to protect their future. But at the same time, they both need to communicate better to each other. Mm-hmm. And Anna says, I'd love these two on my couple's therapy couch. Gottman <laughs> theories would be super for them. <laughs> I would love to guide them. I love it. I love it, Anna. Mm-hmm. I And I just, again, thank you for sharing your insight from someone who, um, you know, I love the fact we have so many diverse fans with diverse backgrounds and expertise. You know, Brenda can give us medical uh, advice uh, or, or treatment, as the case may be. Um, it, yes. Anna <laughs> can give us an insight um, on counseling. Um, and everyone has given different parts of their experiences. And I love the fact that mm-hmm. we can share this together. Um, <laughs> and yes, Betty, at least Gabriel's not blaming Paul for Julia's stress. <laughs> that is true. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, I know we went a little over our hour today, but this has been a really great discussion. It's been a good, it's um, been a good and talk. I, yeah. I think this also reinfor- reinforces the importance of us having uh, split the chapter because there's a lot, there's a lot that can uh, be dissected from this, um, and I'm glad we had a chance to talk well, about. I, I I think these first few chapters is a lot to unpack. Yeah. Oh yeah. As far as not not just be you know just not just to move the story along, but there's a lot to unpack with their own personalities. Mm-hmm. I think so too. Mm-hmm. And where they are, you know, as as noted, there are different points in their journey. Mm -hmm. They're at different life stages. You know, being a tenured professor is very different than being uh, someone on the hunt for the doctorate. And um, I think that that's definitely playing in their relationship right now. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So until next week, you're leaving us. (laughs) 
I'm leaving us with a little Lord Huron. Oh. Meet me in the woods. And I remember, I think it was when SR was writing the Florentine series, he was posting a video to this. I was going to say, I know this is an SR, an SR phase. Mm -hmm. It is. Because he's shared that he's shared that with us, um, which is great. Mm Mm-hmm. So I want everybody to stay dry, run between the raindrops if you're on the East Coast this weekend and stay cool out West and pray to God that everybody uh, fares well with this, these stupid storms that are coming through and pray for our yes. planet so that the storms aren't as strong as they are. So anyway. Absolutely. And stay safe, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We'll be back next week at the same time to discuss the second part of chapter two. Take care, everyone. Thanks for joining us.